Good evening. Thank you for welcoming, welcoming me again. It is a blessing to be here among people that I pray for and do love. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, the scripture passage this evening comes from Luke chapter 15. And we'll start reading um, at verse 1. We'll read uh, th- through verse 7. So Luke 15, chapter 1, uh, verse 1. Luke 15, starting at verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. This is God's word. Let's, Let's pray and ask him to bless us this evening. Father God, we thank you for your, for your word. We thank you for what we have just read, for we know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from you. We know that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. So as we come before you now, Lord, we ask that you would open your word to us. Speak to us. Lord, send your spirit upon us that um, our hearts and our souls and our might and, uh, would, would be moved to praise you. That these words, though they may be familiar, would get down to our bones and marrow and cause us to see the wonder and beauty of Jesus Christ. Thank you again, Father, For this evening, send your spirit to us for understanding. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In 2003, one Disney movie took imaginations by storm. Outside of theaters hung huge cardboard signs of a flat blue fish and her friend a clownfish. Supermarkets were awash with stuffed sharks and little sea turtles. Young children kept walking around my neighborhood saying, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. You guys know the movie? Finding Nemo, that's right. It's the story of a little clownfish who is separated from all that he knows. And while the movie is named after Nemo, most of the action actually centers on Nemo's father, Marlin. And Marlin goes on this trans-Pacific, he goes across the Pacific Ocean, on a quest to find his son. Marlin braves encounters with sharks. He is swallowed by a whale, which I don't know where they got the material for that from. Um, he, he hitches a ride on the back of a sea turtle, all this in hopes of finding his lost son, Nemo. As it turns out, Nemo uh, was taken from the sea, and he's, he's put in, into a dentist office, a fish tank in a dentist office, right? And he's scared. He flops out of the water, out of the, out of the bag, into the fish tank, and he shakes in fear. He tries to escape, but only bumps his face against the glass. He hides in a fish tank ornament. 
Then later there's this scene where he simply lays down. Depressed and missing his home and his father, Nemo resigns himself to his fate. Separation from home, lost, possibly forever. Love that the writers of that movie were definitely tapping into a real human emotion, something that we know, the feeling of lostness. We have felt that. In our passage today, we get the same sentiment, lostness, separation, away from home. And as Jesus tells this parable, he extends out hope and joy because, as you know, the lostness doesn't last forever. Picture, picture this. It's late in the afternoon around dinner time. Fires are lit and the table is set. All is ready for those who are going to eat. But people flood into the area, the big open area where the family would normally gather. It doesn't seem as open anymore for a great many people have been following him, this Jesus of Nazareth. He removes his sandals and sits down and then reclines at the table. The table would have been pretty low. And the servants scuttle around trying to get enough bread for everyone or meat because it just is not possible. More and more people keep flooding in to hear this new teacher. Everyone except for uh, the Pharisees and scribes. They're not all excited to hear him, but they're there anyways in the shadows. They know who Jesus is sitting with. He's sitting with tax collectors, prostitutes, gamblers, sinners, adulterers, sinners, all of them. You can hear their critique floating above the crowd. He, he eats with these unclean people. How dare he eat with them? How can he possibly even receive them? But seeing that, the, but seeing that Jesus is about to speak, one of the tax collectors shushes the crowd. Shh, shh. The rabbi wants to say something. And then Jesus tells this parable. The sheep is lost. His little hoof is stuck. He's stuck in the mud. He's cornered between, between some bushes and some, some thorns, some thickets. And he's slouching in the shadows in the culvert of a valley. It's dark. He has no no idea where home is. The sun is setting kind of over there, but is that the direction towards, towards the sheepfold and the shepherd and the flock? The valley and all of this looks so familiar, for they wander around the countryside. But it's never the sheep's job, the lamb's job to find food. The shepherd does that, and they just follow him day in and day out, from grazing to pasture to sheepfold. Now, unsure of which way is home, the little lamb lies down. It's toward evening, and the chilly darkness begins to surround him. He can see, he can see his breath, the sign of frailty. With no one around, no one around, this could be his end. Then he begins the question, is he even worth saving? Is he even worth anything to anyone at all? Does anyone care about him. He's truly, truly lost. Those listening to Jesus tell this parable, the tax collectors and sinners, they slump to one side. Their eyes turn towards the floor. They don't really care about a little lamb in a story. They just know exactly how he feels. 
They know exactly how the lost lamb feels. They can see his breath. They can sense his loneliness and fear. And their hearts yearn with those same questions. Do I mean anything to anyone at all? Do I mean anything to anyone at all? It's the same question that many people in our time are asking too. We, we know them. I mean, we do know them. We just might not see them. They work with us at the tool and die. They stand in line before us or behind us at the bank. They serve us at Starbucks and, and Russ's. They pump gas next to us at the Shell station. They, 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 they are the soccer mom that's there as well, picking up her kids from practice. People that strive and toil in this world for meaning and for purpose and for any sense that they matter at all. But they too feel lost, whether or not that's the word they would use for it. You can see it. I remember, uh, uh, you can see it in teens who obsess over whether their boyfriend is, whether her boyfriend is cheating on her or not. It's in the father as he spends all his time and all his energy at work, for he, he, he thinks this validates him in front of his family. It is the 90-year-old as, as he reflects on his life, back as, back as he reflects his time in the war, and, and wonders, does anybody care about that? Does it matter to anyone at all? They are all stuck in the mud of this life and the shadows are just getting longer and longer. They might remember glimpses of a, of a, of a better time, better pastures, but those were long, long ago. And now the cold breath of loneliness and separation is more real than any affirmation they can remember. Do I mean anything to anyone at all? It is lostness restated in question form. Do I mean anything to anyone at all? It is the yearning for love that simply isn't satisfied. And haven't we felt it too? Just like, just like they knew it in first century Palestine. But Jesus can sense their thoughts. The tax collector thinking, no, I am a fool. I am worthless. I've cheated so many people and I cannot mean anything to anyone at all, and just as he senses that, this, just as he thinks that thought, Jesus continues the parable. The little sheep is curled up in a ball, just about ready to give up. But then he then he hears something: the shuffling of feet, the tick of a shepherd's staff, the clicking of a tongue. He remembers. My shepherd used to do that. And then he looks at the top of the hill and the outline of a man. There it is. He sees it. And he, and he watches as the man is very tired. He slumps to the side, leans up against the tree, and wipes his brow. Then he, he takes um, from his sheep's bladder, which would hold water, he takes it, takes a sip, and then puts the bladder back, caps it, and then that man makes his call. The sheep knows that call. The shepherd. That, that's my shepherd. He recognizes the voice. It's, it's, it's my shepherd. The little lamb squirms in the thickets and thorns, but he can't move. He's too tangled. He's worried if the shepherd will see him at all. So he makes a little bleat. Bah. 
He doesn't know if the shepherd heard him, so he bleats again. Bah! Bah! And that's when he sees the shepherd gazing down at him, gazing directly at him in the culvert, and he calls out just one more time. Bah! Bah! Doesn't matter. The shepherd hikes up his robe and runs down towards the sheep. It's a thicket. There's thorns. He does, it doesn't matter. He doesn't stop. He's cut. He's, he's pricked by the thorns, but until he, does, he doesn't stop until he gets close to that little lamb. And then his breath warms the lamb, the, 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 the wool around his nose. And he says to him, I have found you. I love you, and you are mine, little one. He picks up the little lamb and carries him out of the thicket, out of the thorns. And expecting to be put down, the little lamb squirms a little bit, but, but the shepherd says, no, no, no. I love you. You are mine, and I will carry you home. And one swift movement, he slings the lamb over his, he slings the lamb over his shoulders and begins his long journey home. The lamb doesn't really remember any of the journey, but he does kind of wake up when the shepherd calls out to his friends, Eli, Peter, come quickly. I have found my lost sheep. See, here he is. I counted, and there were only 99 in my fold, but, but I, I went in search for him, and I found him. Rejoice with me. Rejoice. And then, like a light bulb flashing on in the attic, the Pharisees and scribes now get it. All this time, all this time, they were so glad they've never been lost. They are so glad they've never strayed from the shepherd, never been away, never needed to be sought for. But they look around at the tax collector sobbing, smiling. They see the prostitute embracing her, her, her child close to her chest. They see the thief smiling at Jesus with a, just, just a little hope. And they begin to ponder, maybe this Jesus is like the shepherd. And yes, we Pharisees and scribes, we may not need to be rescued, but these people do. Was this story for them? And then, in that moment, Jesus says this. There is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. The Pharisees can barely understand it, but the kernel of hope is still there. Jesus of Nazareth says there is joy in heaven over one sinner, over one of these who repent. And slowly, the synapses in their minds uh, connect. They fire. Connections are made and the parable makes sense. Jesus seeks the lost just as the shepherd seeks the lost. And Jesus will bring them, them, carry them back to Yahweh. And in that moment, the crowd begin to think, just the minuscule thought that somebody loves them. They begin to see that they do, in fact, matter to somebody after all. This Jesus of Nazareth has come for me. And that, friends, is, that is the clarion call that this passage brings to us this evening. Jesus of Nazareth has come for you. We know that, don't we? But I, I have to say, this is me, this is me saying, I, I really, really hope it brings us joy every time we hear about this. Every time we hear that we are reminded that Jesus came for us. I hope our hearts are just stirred within us 
to remember, to hear again, that Jesus came for you. We once were lost, but God, out of sheer grace and mercy, came as a shepherd in the form of his son, Jesus. He searched long, he searched far for us, and when he found us, he too was wounded. He was pricked, he was cut, his clothes were, were torn up. But in doing so, Jesus picked us up and placed us, he placed us on his shoulders. He carried us out of the mud and, and the dark valley of sin. And then he placed us, each and every one of us, back into the fold with the other 99. We, 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 we remember, we know that joy because Jesus found us and restored us back to the flock. But what about, what about the teenager who worries about her, her boyfriend or the father who spends 90 hours, 80 hours a week working because he wants his family to see that he is a, a, a man. He wants them to see that I do matter. What about, what about the 90-year-old the who's just reflecting and he just can't seem to make sense? What about my barista at Starbucks? Friends, this call that you matter to someone, to Jesus Christ, that call is for them too. And by God's good grace and mercy, we too are sent as, as under-shepherds to seek and find the lost. We too have the joy of going out of here saying, yes, indeed, somebody loves you. We can rightfully say to the other mother at soccer practice, God is in your midst. Or we could say to the friend at Raybrook, God is a mighty one who will save. We can indeed, we must say to the coworker, he will rejoice over you with gladness. Friends, in sheer grace, God sent his son into the world so that we may know how much we are loved and how we belong. And in sheer grace, God sends us. He sends us into the world to proclaim this gospel to others. We may be part of, of the 99, but indeed, indeed, what joy, what joy when a new member joins the church. What joy when someone says, yes, I, I, I believe in Jesus Christ. I trust him now as my Lord and Savior. What joy when they come to know the Lord too. I remember, I remember that point during the movie in Finding Nemo when I cried. It wasn't even like any sad part. I just remember crying right down there um, in the East Beltline. I cried because of the sheer love and grace it takes for a father or for a shepherd to go searching through the valley and thickets or across the Pacific for a little one. And I cried because, strangely in that moment in, in, in the cinema, on the, on the East Beltline, God reminded me, God reminded me of the joy he has in bringing me back. He reminded me of the joy in heaven over me. It is in those moments that we hear the shepherd lift us up and say, you are mine. You once were lost, but now I have found you. I love you, and I will carry you home. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this reminder. Oh, it is something that we remember, we have may read about. It is, it is such a beautiful, wonderful thing 
to remember that you sought us out and rescued us and saved us through Jesus Christ. Father, now as we begin our week, may we think of ways in which we can proclaim this gospel to others. Tell them of the good shepherd. Tell them of you. Tell them of Jesus who gave his life as a ransom for many. And in doing so, he brings us back to the fold. Father, bless this, bless this message and, and cause it to stir our hearts and minds to love others, to love you, and to live for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.